Welcome to the Omphir Podcast. Hello and welcome to the OnFIF podcast. My name is Lewis McClellan. I'm the editor of the Digital Monetary Institute here at OnFIF. And today we're going to be discussing the different approaches that people can take to implementing central bank digital currencies. I'm delighted to be joined by an expert in the field, uh, Tom Brules from G&D, who's in the CBDC professional services team. Uh, Tom, great to have you. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much, Lewis. Uh, very happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about, about G&D and, and your experience with, uh, with you know, implementing and delivering CBDCs? Yes, definitely. Maybe I'll, I'll briefly start with myself. So I'm responsible for the CBDC professional services team uh, within G&D. And this team takes care of the, uh, of the project management and consultancy and, and customer service of our CBDC projects. And personally, I've been very closely involved with nearly all of our CBDC projects, including uh, ones with the Bank of Thailand, the Bank of Ghana, the Central Bank of Eswatini, the Global Fast Track Competition in Hong Kong, the Lyft Challenge in Brazil, and, and several other projects. Yeah, and I'm looking forward very much to uh, share some insights about these experiences with you, with you today. Great. Thank you. All right. So when it comes to CBDC projects, I... Uh... I'd like to kind of draw up a little roadmap of how how a country gets from, you know, conceiving that they, they might want one to, to implementing it. So I guess it's there's there's a lot of different stages on that. Can you talk a little bit about what that, that process typically looks like? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, we've had uh, actually very, very many discussions with, with central banks on such journeys. Maybe before I start, let me clarify that when I say CBDC, by default, I mean uh, retail CBDC, because I think especially wholesale CBDC, for example, quite different journeys. And each journey also is very unique, the same as each uh, country and each central bank is unique as well. And the projects that, that can be done on CBDC, they're quite dependent on, on the prior work that, that the central bank has, has done already. Right. Yes, of course. Yeah, I think that's something that, that comes up a lot in these discussions. That it's difficult to to generalize too much from project to project. But uh, if there is such a thing as a as a typical first step, what, what what's typically involved at the very start of the process? Yeah, it, typically the, the very first step is to to explore the topic and for the central bank to to educate them educate themselves at this very early stage of the journey. So usually this starts with a with a project that analyzes the existing payment landscape. And to verify whether there are any challenges or potentially opportunities that the introduction of a CBDC could, could address. Yeah, and, and, and following up with that in, in the same project or uh, one afterwards, uh, this can be practically verified with a proof of concept. And if the results are successful, then typically central banks proceed with a pilot, which includes some, some dedicated use cases and a limited set of of users from the real world to gather feedback and to gain uh, technical experience within the central bank as well. Mm, right. Yeah. I guess when you talk about the the different challenges or opportunities, I'm I suppose you're thinking about things like like financial inclusion or if they don't have like a very well developed payment system or lot of, yeah, any other kind of typical challenges. I guess that can vary as you were saying from country to country. Uh, yes, it definitely varies. I mean, I think what what's uh, the same about every country is that payments uh, ideally are very fast. They're they're cheap and they are transparent for the users themselves. So not in all payment landscapes that is currently the case. So these are obvious criteria that can be uh, that can be measured and that can potentially be improved by a CBDC. 
Right. Yeah. And then you said the, a pilot. So yeah, and I think we've seen quite a few of those in, in the wild so far. So once they've, you know, conducted a, a pilot experiment, a proof of concept, where do they go from there? Yeah, so after a pilot, the logical next step would be either a, a bigger scale pilot or uh, the implementation of a production. In some countries, this is quite a hybrid phase. So what we also recommend quite often is to uh, go live into a production, but then with uh, what we call a soft launch, which is an, a production implementation, but then with a limited set of users and use cases, and then to scale up from there. So yeah, that would be a, a typical next step. Right, yeah. Okay, interesting. So when you were talking at the start about research, let's let's dive into into these in a little bit more depth. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about the the different challenges uh, that they're going to be exploring, the different opportunities that they might be looking to solve. But in terms of what that research project actually looks like, how 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 should a central bank be looking to to set up a project like that? Yeah, what, what's important when you start such a project is to start with defining your research methodology. So this maps, up, maps out which phases uh, your research will have and, and what is the scope of each phase. Because it is very easy to, to get lost in, in the details and not progress uh, the way you planned. Perhaps even most importantly, it should also include the expected end result from the research uh, which basically allows you to, to backtrack and then to plan all the required activities to get to that point. For example, an important part of the projects that we have done is stakeholder consultations. So if a CBDC uh, were to be introduced, it would not be an isolated technology that, that central banks can simply uh, uh, implement and switch on. Instead, it requires uh, deep collaboration with many stakeholders. They need to be informed and consulted from start to finish. And it's not easy to get all the stakeholders on board at the same time. So that needs to be planned properly. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, what sort of stakeholders are you thinking about here? Is this, you know, banks and payment companies? Anyone else? Yes, for sure. Banks and, and payment companies. Um, we actually imagine that that a future CBDC implementation will rely heavily on, on the ecosystem. Uh, so that ecosystem needs to be provided by uh, organizations like banks and, and payment companies and fintechs, uh, and that so that public-private collaboration that is going to be very important. One uh, typical uh, important stakeholder also is merchants for the acceptance of CBDC. Um, so if done right, uh, a CBDC can really uh, serve as public infrastructure uh, for innovation by the private sector, and that private sector consists of so many stakeholders that uh, yeah, it, it takes quite some time to get everyone around the table. Yeah, and as you said, uh, difficult to get everyone around the table at the same time. Okay, yeah, so collaborating with the stakeholders, what else What else should, should a, a research project include? Yeah, I, I touched upon, uh, upon it a bit already, but for sure, analyzing the existing landscape, which can be done through, through literature, because usually there are quite some papers and articles already published on specific challenges in, in the landscape, but also interviews, deep deep dives with, with local payment providers and also end users, uh, for example, through focus groups could be uh, considered. And what's important is to consider the audience for each type of content that is going to be produced as part of the research. So will it be uh, for internal purposes within the central bank to make decisions or will it be for external purposes to consult stakeholders? Because the the level of detail and also the writing style will vary quite widely depending on the audience. And all, all, all such details, they should be agreed at, at the start before working on such a, such a research 
to yeah, make sure that what is being produced is actually relevant to the final reader. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, there's quite a lot goes into these, uh, it sounds like. Um, I get what, what are the the hallmarks of when a research project goes well, what, what has to happen for 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 everything to, to come off and achieve the, the desired result? Mm -hmm. For it to go well, I would say it's especially critical to have a, a broad group of, of stakeholders within the central bank that have a strong knowledge base on CBDC. Uh, so that's also the purpose of, of educating at the start related to all the concepts of CBDC. So you can only really have meaningful research and also follow-up projects if everyone that needs to be part of future decision-making on, on policies and technologies uh, truly understands all the, the concepts that are related to the topic. And yeah, getting such a broad group of people similar to the external stakeholders is not easy. So within a central bank, CBDC has lots of lots of touch points, for example, with the, the currency team, the fintech department, payment supervision, IT. Uh, so there's usually a lots of um, yeah, involvement from many different departments. And to find committed delegates from each of those stakeholders within the bank, yeah, that, that is also something that is, is quite critical because it's, it can become a journey of many months or potentially even years. Yeah, yeah, I, th that's something that we've heard a, a few times, uh, including from from central banks. It's difficult to get. I mean, people might get enthusiastic about it at the start, but I, I guess there's kind of a lot of factors outside of their control as to whether people can can stay on the project and you know with other things coming up. And I think you know with the, with the monetary policy environment changing so dramatically over the past couple of years, that that's something that seemed to to affect the the amount of resource people could put into projects like this. So obviously a lot of that is kind of outside of your control, outside of the central bank's control. Is there anything that, that you can do to kind of ensure that, that the right people are involved and stay engaged? Yeah, I think it's important to try to find people that are naturally curious and interested in the topic and that really want to, to drive it forward as well, to really go in depth. The risk of, of doing a project like this for a central bank is actually that there is one person that, that's very much in the lead of the topic and that only is assisted or consulted by colleagues from other parts of the working group uh, only when it is truly needed. And this usually leads to a situation where the knowledge about the CBDC topic and also the vision from the central bank on this topic is, is not carried broadly enough uh, at an early enough stage. Mm -hmm. And this can lead to, to missed dependencies or uh, missed policy goals. For example, if payments or, or IT uh, is not involved at an early stage. Uh, so therefore, I would urge central banks to really consider this, this risk of knowledge silos and to really build a strong and dedicated CBDC working group that is really jointly committed to, to drive it all forward. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So from the research process, you said after that, it's, it's uh, moving on to pilots and proofs of concept uh, in the field. Can you talk a little bit about the factors that the central banks need to consider when they are going to be launching a, a project like that? Yes, definitely. There are, well, many factors to consider. It's quite a complex project to uh, to start. I will actually skip, I think, the, the topic related to design principles and features and use cases, which are a very important part of field pilots. But I think it's already covered uh, quite a lot. I think it's more interesting to go into some other topics. And one important one is, I would say, the, the motivation of a central bank to implement a CBDC. 
because usually the the motivation comes from a policy objective, one or multiple, uh, that the central bank is trying to achieve. And the scope of such a field pilot should uh, originate from that objective uh, of introducing a CBDC. So we should work backwards from such a, achieving such an objective to decide which type of activities should be conduct, conducted as part of that pilot. And we also recommend an iterative approach where gradually, uh, for example, use cases are added uh, over time and to, to learn from the initial results and then maybe shape or change the solution still, because that way you can get most feedback from users and you can really understand as a central bank what the, yeah, the, the result of such a field pilot actually is. Mm, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it strikes me that a lot of this is very challenging, big lifts, big capacity, very complex requirements that central banks are, are not particularly used to to delivering. With that being the case, can you talk a little bit about what what are some of the ways that central banks are able to, to make these challenges a little bit uh, easier to, to handle, easier to manage? As part of these implementation projects for, for CBDC, an important part, of course, is technology. And uh, for this, I would definitely recommend central banks to, to rely on partners, uh, especially for pilots, but also for production, uh, to provide such technology, uh, because uh, developing this technology in-house is, is very complex. The central bank also has different options in, in terms of deployments to make it either easier for themselves, but with, with less learnings, uh, or to go for a more complex pilot, but with more technical learnings as well, which is um, related to either an on-premise deployment at the central bank or potentially a cloud deployment at the central bank or using the solution from the technology provider and uh, simply let them deploy it on their cloud. So that last option is actually the, the easiest one for a central bank where they have very limited activities on the infrastructure side, but it, it comes with less learning. So there's really a trade-off there. Uh, so central banks definitely have yeah, uh, an, an option there to make it easier or more com complex for themselves. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the extent to which central banks want to do things in-house versus work with partners. Uh, Tom, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, good pilot program design. Can you tell me a little bit about what, what sort of features uh, should be part of a pilot program? Yeah, something that, that I didn't mention yet is the, the, the impact on, on users related to, to the implementation. So as part of such a field pilot, I think it's very critical to include mechanisms uh, to get user feedback and really understand their needs. So there's multiple multiple options there. It can be in the form of questionnaires, but it could also be conducted through focus groups, for example, uh, where you can really dive deep into the understanding of a user and really understand what they are looking for. And it also allows you as a central bank to understand which use cases certain users prefer uh, over other use cases. For example, because existing solutions are not yet sufficient. And then in the previous uh, project phase in the research part, you might have already gotten some insights there, but after people have initially used the technology, maybe those insights change. So those would be very interesting activities to conclude in such a field pilot. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So as you were saying, you've seen quite a few of these CBDC implementation processes. What have you learned from those in terms of what are the, the aspects that central banks maybe don't consider as much as they should, don't, don't think are going to be as difficult as they turn out to be? 
Yeah, I think the, the obvious ones are uh, the ones that uh, central banks do consider, like policy goals and, and technologies. What I still think is uh, under-highlighted is uh, end-user communication. And that is critical for, for adoption because it is, for end-users, not often easy to really understand why they should use a CBDC. And it is also potentially even more difficult to explain what a CBDC is not rather than, than what it is. What do you mean by that? What a CBDC is and what it's not? I would say it's mostly related to, to intentions. So I think central banks need to find a way to very clearly communicate that a CBDC, why a CBDC is being introduced and that it's not being introduced, for example, to, to track payment activities of individuals, which is something that is quite often considered in, in the public area. And there need to be also mechanisms in place to prove that such payment activities of individuals are actually not tracked. And these mechanisms then also need to be explained in a very understandable manner in such a way that a person that has not been closely involved in, in CBDC workshops like we are can really understand it and also believe it. So I think it's one thing for for central bank to say that the CBDC will be private, maybe with a, a certain a tiered uh, privacy. But I think the the average person will want to see some form of uh, of proof of that, and that should be very clearly communicated as well, so that yeah, the average person really understands and believes what the central bank is is trying to to do with the introduction of of a CBDC. And I think what's what's key here is is also trust. So central banks need to communicate clearly that privacy is of the highest importance. But then also, of course, act by not storing or using that personal data and allow users to really trust the central bank. Yeah, we've seen there's certainly, you're right, a lot of a lack of trust in the in public domain at the moment. People are very uncertain that CBDC is going to be a you know a, a private transaction means. But as you say, the tools exist. It's just a question of ensuring that they're implemented and then ensuring that people know that they're implemented and can trust that. Uh, yeah. and I, I think that's probably there. There's similar arguments for programmability, right? Yeah, the great uh, you mentioned it. That's another topic that that causes quite some polarization about people that are informed about CBDC. And I think here also very clear statements can really help in in defining the intention of a central bank. I think the ECB, the European Central Bank, is actually a great example because they very clearly stated that a digital euro will not be programmable. So, which means that you can spend your digital euro on whatever you want, whenever you want. So this is quite obvious, but in, in the age of disinformation, such clear statements to end users is, is truly very important. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. It's uh, it's always a challenge to, to make sure uh, citizens kind of accept the message. When we're talking about uh, introducing the CBDC, uh, what is the big change for the operations and the structure of the central bank that, uh, that's required? So central banks currently are used to handle all matters related to currency and, and to supervise and stabilize the economy, uh, among other things. Uh, and that also includes regulating payments. And the introduction of a CBDC would require quite some unique skill sets and themes that may need some time for them to, be, to build it up. It also depends a little on the future infrastructure setup. So for example, if the technology is operated in the cloud or on-premise, which we've touched on before now, or whether the central bank outsources this to a local partner, for example, via a public-private partnership. Uh, so that really impacts which kind of yeah, in-house skills the central bank needs. 
Right. So, I mean, are we looking at whole new teams, new departments, or are the, the people in-house uh, already kind of able to, to add that to the responsibilities? Yeah, I'll give the classic answer. It, it depends. So it really differs per, per central bank. I would say that generally policy goals of CBDC, they can easily be established by existing teams uh, because central banks are used to this. If such teams are also sufficiently trained in the possibilities and limitations of a CBDC and, and how it should be designed. For technical work, many central banks look towards recruiting at, at top talents from the private sector to really drive this forward. Because typical technologies that are used for CBDC are not often used within a traditional central bank context. Also critical is the, the integration with existing systems like the, the RTGS and existing cash uh, systems, which obviously are already uh, managed by in-house teams. And this impact with such systems needs to be explored at an early stage. So those teams need to be involved. And for a CBDC technology, it is absolutely key that the APIs, they're well designed uh, so that integrations are uh, facilitated very easily for everyone, uh, which also then minimizes the impact on the teams that are working together uh, with the CBDC technology. Uh, you're talking about some quite substantial changes. I mean, personnel and, and maybe team structure and, and capacity. I guess there's a risk of going too early. You know, if you make those changes right at the start before the, all the requirements are are clear and the, the eventual design is clear. So how how does the central bank go around managing that, that challenge? Yeah, the organizational changes I would recommend to be to be gradual. So they should be initiated at the start of the journey by recruiting key team members that will drive the entire journey forward. And when the certainty of the introduction of a CBDC increases, then the team can can be expanded over time to ensure that there is a broad organizational framework to also take care of all matters related to to implementation, including uh, topics that are typically done at a later stage, like the the regulatory and legal framework, uh, the rule books, the infrastructure, and, and topics like that. Yeah. So we've been talking primarily, as you said at the start, about retail CBDC projects for domestic payments and so on, but there are also lots of cross-border projects. Are, I mean, obviously that has its own challenges in terms of, you know, different stakeholders and so on, but in terms of what we've been ma- mainly discussing, the approach for implementing that, is there anything kind of unique about, about the process there? Yes, related to, to cross-border CBDC, uh, of course, there's been a previous episode already with my my colleague, uh, Daniel Nagy. Uh, so I will actually, I think, skip the, the challenges on cross-border per se, uh, although it's clear that there are those projects there are attempting to solve some, some very big uh, problems. And the case for end users is in some cases even clearer than for uh, for domestic CBDC. It's more intuitive to, to understand potentially. And I think in terms of management of a cross-border CBDC project, it, it brings some unique challenges, particularly on governance. So especially with multilateral CBDC projects with uh, more than, than, than two central banks involved, the governance multiplies very quickly, which usually means that the, the project preparation and also the execution phase uh, takes longer than if you are doing well, I don't want to call it an isolated project within a country because there are many stakeholders involved there as well. But at least there is one clear ecosystem owner, the central bank, that can govern the entire project. 
Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And just for for those for those people listening who haven't heard the previous podcast, the big challenges in cross border payments they tend to be more expensive. They tend to be slower. They tend to be less transparent. The domestic payments. Anything else to to add there? Uh, no, I think that that covers the most the, the three most important challenges in cross border payments, and as CBDC has the potential to address all of those three challenges. Yeah, but as you say, the the governance uh, challenges of of delivering those projects are are more complicated than than for uh, domestic CBDCs. Well, thank you, Tom. It's been a fascinating discussion. I think, as you say, there's been uh, a lot of work done already covering the different technologies and the different strategic priorities and designs and so on. But I think that the actual approach to developing CBDCs, the project management and the features of effective implementation strategy, uh, it's uh, a very good uh, way to, to gather a lot of insights and you've got a lot of experience in that area. So it's been great to have you to talk about that. Could you just go through and summarize what you see as maybe the most important aspects uh, that you've talked about before we finish? Thank you. I think the first one is for, for Central Bank, it's it's crucial to have a dedicated team with stakeholders from all relevant departments that are, that are curious and really want to um, get involved in the project and that carry the CBDC knowledge base in-house. Another one is that you know these, these CBDC journeys, they consist usually of multiple projects and they can take a long time. So to increase the, the chance of success, uh, central banks can make it easier or more difficult for themselves to include certain topics in-house and to rely on, uh, for example, technology partners uh, for specific expertise and technologies uh, from the market. And finally, uh, my key takeaway would be that during these CBDC projects, uh, specific, specifically uh, pilots, but also for production, especially actually, the importance of end-user communication cannot be understated. And that should be a fundamental part of the overall approach. And that's not something that central banks maybe are that used to. I think they are used to communicating to the market, but I think the, the clarity of communicating a digital payment method like CBDC might be a new topic, and that should be uh, yeah, a fundamental part of the introduction of a CBDC. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point to end on. It's something that, as you said, has been a lot less discussed than some of the sort of strategic and, and technical features, but it's going to be extremely important and some some big uh, negative perceptions to be overcome there. Well, thanks again, Tom. It's uh, been great to have you and uh, we'll leave it there. I hope uh, we'll be able to continue this discussion soon. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. We'll leave it there. And thank you to all our listeners for, for listening. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Podbean, and on our website on fit.org. You can also uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and LinkedIn. And check out our website to find all the details of uh, any upcoming reports we have, any upcoming events, and our news and commentary section as well. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast.